In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, Jesus is speaking. This is part of his Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flower of the field grow. They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor and supreme and Gucci and Prada was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that's just people who don't know God, don't have a relationship with God. These people run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I want to give you this word today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message, You Had Me Worried. You Had Me Worried. And I always preach better when I get a little bit of interaction from you, and I just need to know that you're tracking with me. So if you want to turn to the person next to you, find somebody, look them in the eye, and just tell them, hey, you, you had me worried. And, and then if maybe you're looking to spark a relationship, you like the person sitting next to you, you can just say, you had me a hello. And uh, we're going to get into this today. Hey, would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads and ask that God would bless this word today. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, that every time we open up your word, you speak. And I believe that you'll do that again today, Father, that this is a word specifically for people. You know what we're facing, what we're going through, what we're carrying. And God, I ask that your word would go forth and encourage and lighten the load and lift off whatever burdens have been brought in, Father. Help us to have your perspective. I believe you will. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that can say amen. Hey, how many of you are list makers, by the way? Any list makers in the room? Some of you are really proud about this fact. We got like three right together here, all list makers. I'm thankful for list makers. My wife is a list maker. List makers help us stay organized, keep things orderly, orchestrated in our life. She comes by it honestly. Her mom is a list maker. Her mom is such a list maker. In August, she starts asking us, hey, do you have the kids' Christmas list yet? Because I'm starting to put my list together in August. Anybody like that? You're putting your Christmas list together in August. My wife is not quite to that extent. Although my son, Oliver, I think he's inherited this gene. Um, because he, like, he overheard that she wanted a Christmas list, and he put together a list already. And uh, there was like 30 things on there. Um, I actually made the list. I was like 29 on the list of 30, so I was not quite rounding out the bottom. It was his, his, my part of his list was uh, 
more time and love from dad. So I don't know whether I should be encouraged that I made it or discouraged that, um, you know, that I'm like 30 on the list or I should feel bad. Maybe he's deprived and he needs this for Christmas. I'm not sure. The really sad part is, is that I was beat out by hair gel and crest white strips. That was, that was above me. Um, some of you are wondering, what does a, what does a nine-year-old have with crest white strips and hair gel? Well, his babysitter is in high school, so you can figure that one out. But uh, we all have, have lists. It's funny, though, this question that Jesus asks when he says, you can put it on the screen if you want, verse 28. He says, why do you worry? Why do you worry? And I thought about how most of us, we would answer that question with a list. Well, why do I worry? Well, let me pull out my list. I've, I've got a few reasons. I mean, have you seen the news? That's just reason number one. Just, just, just turn on TV. That's, that's one reason why I worry. Well, why do I worry? Because some how over this pandemic, I have become the primary educator of my children. I'm worried that I'm going to be screwing them up for the rest of their life. I, that, I mean, that's a reason. Well, why am I worried? Because in this weird season where work is all done via Zoom and these crazy kids that I just told you about are in the background, I'm, I'm worried that people are going to see what I really live like and I might not have a job after this. I mean, that's a reason. Why, why am I worried? Let me list you the reasons. And we use our list for our logic. And I've just been coming back to this question. Why, why do you worry? I mean, it's a good question. Mia, even though we've got a roster of reasons from, from A to Z, I want to suggest to you that, that maybe the reason that we worry is not so much with what's on our list, but it's with what's in our lens. We're looking not at what's going on in the world, but we're looking at ourselves. It's not everything that's happening. It's, it's I'm wondering, am I really strong enough to get through this? Man, I've got things that I think about just as a pastor. <laughs> why, why do I worry? Man, I'm, I'm worried that people are going to misinterpret what I say, that they're going to come away with the wrong conclusion. Well, why, do I, why do I worry? I'm worried that in this season of online church, I'm worried that we're training people to be consumers instead of contributors, which is not the kingdom way. It's not kingdom culture. And I'm worried that people are not as healthy as they think they are and that the thing that they are cutting out of their life is the very thing that they need, where we've been more connected than ever through our devices, but have less intimacy than ever. I mean, those are some of the things I think about, not on what's on your list of what the reasons are that you worry, but in reading this passage, Jesus has his own list. He begins to list out some things. He says, you worry about what you're going to eat. You worry about what you're going to wear. You worry about what you're going to drink. You worry about what you're going to put on. You worry about what you're going to consume and what you're going to cover. You could really boil it down to two things. Survival and status. Meaning, will I make it through 
and how will I be thought of? That, that's what I'm worried about. But what I notice when Jesus gives his list is that all the attention is around one word, you. Why do you worry about what you are going to eat, about what you are going to drink, about what you are going to wear or you are going to put on? Why are you worried? Well, he answers the question, which is what Jesus always does when he asks the question. Whenever he asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's wanting you to come to the conclusion. He, said, he says, why do you worry? And then in verse 30, he gives some examples, and he says, you of little faith. See, that's why I called this message, you had me worried. You. you. It's, it's not someone else. It's not some other thing. It's the you of little faith. It's the you that is concerned with how you're going to survive and how you're going to be seen. And whatever it is that has you worried, I want to help you with this today. And I want to begin by telling you, first thing I want you to write down, to shift the view from you. You got to shift the view from you. You had me worried. You of little faith, this, this you that's all not trusting. And see, there's this principle in this passage I want you to grasp, and it's to start by realizing that God is already working out whatever it is that you're worried about. Look, look in this passage. He says, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow was thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Two things he says. Look at the birds, see the flowers. Look and see. But you got to shift the view from you. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned with things. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use wisdom in your life. <laughs> Scripture says wisdom is the principal thing. I'm not saying that you don't ever have to think about budgets or benefits. That's not at all what this is talking about, and that's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I am trying to help you see, though, is that this passage is talking about our focus. Our focus, because focus determines faith. And I want to build your faith today. I want to show you how God works in our lives. See, I studied this phrase, you of little faith. It's a really fascinating passage. I didn't know this until this week, until I started looking at it. This phrase, you of little faith, it's only used five times in Scripture. And it's only used by Jesus. He's the only person that says it. In fact, he coined this phrase. It's really a combination of two words, little and faith. It's always directed at the person. And he puts these two words together to give a gentle rebuke whenever his disciples were failing a test. See, it's not an indication of who they were. It was information about how they were behaving. That they're lacking trust in this moment. More accurately, they're putting trust someplace else. Where? In themselves. In you. That's why it's this expression of little faith. Because anytime our faith is in what we can do 
and our ability, we are always going to come up short. That's what worry does. So look at this in verse 27. It says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No. Worry doesn't add to your life. Worry always focuses on what's missing. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough opportunity. I don't have enough energy. Worrying doesn't add to our life. In fact, worrying takes away from our life. So Jesus does something to help us with our limited perspective by giving us a little example. He says, look at the birds, look at the flowers. He gives small portrayals to demonstrate big provision. And it's this picture that if God looks after the lesser, he's going to take care of the greater. Birds are small. Flowers are small. But the focus isn't on the birds and flowers that you can't see. He's using this picture to point to a God who you can't see. And this is where I want to get into the application of this message. Because you have to shift the view from you. But then it's not just what you see. It's what you seek. It's what you seek. It's really been the primary thrust of this whole series is to help you seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. What God wants. What God is about. What's his heart. What's his will. His people. His place. His, his power. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Now, seek is an interesting word choice because seek doesn't just talk about your perspective. It has to do with priority. And what you have to understand is that God wants to be first. Not only does he want to be first, he has to be first. Another translation says this verse says, more than anything else, put God's work first and do what he wants. Now, this is what I'm going to help you with today. I'm going to help you understand exactly how to put God's work first. And in some ways, this is what we're doing with our Kingdom Way offering. This is what I'm inviting you into, and this is what I'm asking you to do, is to put God's work first, to prioritize what God is doing, what He's about, what He's building, what He wants. But I, I like this word seek because the word seek implies that what you're looking for isn't easy to see. In other words, the things that are important aren't always obvious. And maybe that's why I was transfixed on this idea of little, because he says, once you see these little birds, once you see these little flowers, because right now you're operating in little faith. And I've just noticed that it's the little things in life that can either displace our priorities or determine our priorities. It's, it's the little things in life that either crowd out what's important or they contribute to what matters. It's the little things that will make you or break you. Like flossing. <laughs> I took Reese to the dentist earlier this week and uh, it's also my dentist. I took, took Reese to the dentist and uh, when I've talked to our dentist before, it's like, Nobody ever comes in and it's like, man, I've been flossing every day, three times a day. Like, I've got this flossing thing down. But, you know, flossing, can, it's a little thing. But 
the truth is, it can either be something that, like a little habit that is a keystone habit that helps you ensure you have everything else ordered and organized in your life, or it can be a little thing that goes by the wayside because you've got so much. Okay, let's get off the, the dental hygiene. Let's talk about prayer. You know, prayer is a little thing. I mean, five minutes in the morning can prioritize your day, center your day, focus your day, order your day. It's a little thing. Sometimes in the chaos of getting kids breakfast or getting out the door to go to class or take the kids to school or going to work or just waking up on time, whatever, the you know, trying to keep the house in order, all these different things, sometimes it can be the last thing on your list. It's the little things that can either displace our priorities or determine our priorities. And one of the primary ways to put God first is through a little thing. Now, it's not the only way, but I promise you, it is the primary way. I'm going to show that to you today. It's called the tithe. Tithe, if you haven't heard it, tithe is a Bible word that literally means 10%. Translate it that way, 10%. And in Scripture, when it talks about the tithes, mostly mentioned in the Old Testament, not the only place it's mentioned, but mostly in the Old Testament, and, and it was this principle that they would bring the first 10% of their resource into God's house. And it's not just an Old Testament principle, though. It's a kingdom principle. That's what I'm trying to show you today. It's not, we don't believe it's a law. It's not something you have to do, but it's a principle that when you do it, God promises to bless you. He promises to meet your needs. And it's a principle that when I trust God, I put my treasure where my trust is. In fact, I, I want to show you this because Scripture says it really, really plainly. You cannot get any more clear than this. We're talking about seeking first the kingdom of God, putting God first. How do we do that? Deuteronomy 14, 23 says this. The purpose of tithing, bringing God the first 10%, is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Why do you tithe? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's a principle to teach you to put God first in your life. Now, this could not have been any more perfect because this week, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you, on Monday morning, my son Grant gave me the best illustration. And I promise you I'm not making any of this up. I'm just telling you real life. So I was taking my kids to school. I take my kids to school every morning. And on the way to school, Grant was telling me how excited he is to buy this video game that he has been saving up money for. He has, he has worked hard. He's earned some money. This has been months in the making. And I was like, well, Grant, how much money do you have and how much is this game? He's like, I've got $60 because I needed to pay him some money for some different things that he'd done. I had like $6, $5. I don't remember what it was. He's like, after you pay me, I'm going to have $60. I was like, man, that's a lot of money for a kid. That's awesome. It's like, you've been working hard for that, haven't you? He's like, yeah, I've been working hard. I was like, well, have you given any money to God yet? And he said, give money to God? What do you mean? I was like, have we give to God first. Have you already done that? And he says, no, I'm not making this up. He says, I'm going to buy my video game first, and I'll give God the leftovers. <laughs> I promise you he said that verbatim. 
the leftovers. So after I slammed on the brakes and I said, son, you're going to get a lesson before you go to school today. I said, we don't give God leftovers. We give God first, the first 10%. It's like, well, can't I just get my game first? I said, no, that's not the tithe. And I was trying to teach him this principle of the tithe, how the tithe is the first 10%. In other words, you could actually be a 10% giver and not be a tither because the tithe belongs to God first. And so I, I said to him, I said, Grant, trying to explain this to him, you know, math, he's eight years old, so math is figuring out fractions and all that. It's not as strong suit. So I, I, I said, a dime for every dollar. So you've got 60, six of that goes to God. And he said, I'm not making this up. He said, Dad, you just want me to give because we're getting a building. And I said, I said, no, that is not, this is a principle for your life. You have to recognize that everything we have comes from God. God gave you your breath. He gave you the ability to work. He gave you the ability to enjoy this game that you want to get. He gave you all of these things. In fact, all of this money really comes from God. All you're doing is returning to him small portion, this little thing that he asked for. Now, it took us a while to get there, confession. But the third thing he said, and I'm not making this up, the third thing he said after I got him to understand all this, he said, wow, God's really generous. All he asks for is 10%, and he lets us keep the rest. And that's the truth, is that everything you and I have comes from God, but scripture talks about how the first 10%, it's holy into the Lord. It belongs to God. In fact, when you really think about it, you're really not giving it to God. You're returning it. Now, sometimes people are confused about all this. They're like, well, pastor, I give to a lot of different things. I, I give to, you know, the Boy Scouts, and I give to the Humane Society, and I give to all these different things. Is that part of tithing? And I would tell you, I think that's awesome that you give, and you should give. It's, scripture talks about generosity. But that's not tithing. Tithing belongs to the Lord, belongs to God's house. That's like saying that you want to support an organization that feeds the hungry, so you bought lunch at Chick-fil-A. It's not the same thing. It's a tithe belongs to the Lord. Now, what does this have to do with anything? What I'm trying to help you today is to shift the view from you and put your trust in the Lord, because it's the little, the you of little faith that's worried. It's the you of little faith that has anxiety. It's the you of little faith that's stressed out. And putting God first is never a money issue. It's a trust issue. Trust is always the issue on the table when God is asking you to let go of something. When God is asking you to give something. And what I've found is that God will never ask you to give something that you don't have, but sometimes he will ask you to give things that you want to keep. That's where trust is on the table. And the reason I want to encourage you to trust God in this area, to put God first in your giving and with your priorities by tithing, to bring God your first and your best, is because God's priorities bring God's peace. Again, we're talking about worry and anxiety today. But it's 
when you have God's priorities in your life, that's when you have God's peace in your life. Now, the reason I know this is because anytime I have not had peace in my life, it's because I've had the wrong priorities. I've got my priorities flipped around. I've started focusing on other things, started focusing on the me, on the, on the you of, of little faith, the things that I was concerned about. And what's interesting is that when you have God's priorities in your life and you have God's peace in your life, you might still have problems in your life. See, the peace of God is not the absence of problems. In fact, what I've found some of the times that I've had the most peace is when I've had the most problems. How is that possible? Well, problems help you prioritize. Have you ever noticed that? Problems will teach you what's really important. It's funny because uh, our creative director, Char, she, she's great. She, she works hard. In fact, everybody on our staff works incredibly hard. You can't be on our staff without giving 110%. But Char, she, probably more than anybody, has the most active projects from week to week. Sometimes people's projects are a little more long-term. She's always got a lot of projects. And not every Saturday, but almost every Saturday, she'll come in and, uh, and, and she'll, she'll come in and she'll be, maybe have some anxiety about the different things and the deadlines and the way things have to happen and get done. And she'll be frustrated because I'll usually be so calm it's not my problem, but I'll usually be so calm, and she's stressing out. But what, what I, I try to show her is that problems help you prioritize. Okay, we only got limited time. Let's talk about what's important. And maybe some of the stress, maybe some of the frustration, maybe some of the worry, maybe some of the anxiety in this moment right now is to help show you that you've had some wrong priorities. Maybe God wants to help you prioritize today. And what I want to do is invite you to make God's priorities your priorities. To seek first the kingdom of God by bringing him your first and your best. And I know there's probably some of you that are thinking, Pastor, how in the world can you connect these two things? You're really saying that just by trusting God with the tithe, the first and the best, that it can eliminate worry? I don't even see that that's in this passage. Well, I want to show this to you. I didn't put it on the screen, but I want to... I want to challenge you to look it up for yourself. We started in verse 25, where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. My dad taught me a long time ago that whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you need to see what it's there for. The very previous verse, right before that, says you cannot trust or you cannot serve God and money. You're going to serve one or the other. You cannot serve God and money Therefore, do not worry about your life, but seek first the kingdom of God. Why is it all connected? Because money is a counterfeit God. Money will tell you that it'll give you security, that it'll give you freedom, that it'll give you significance, that it'll give you power. All lies that only God can give. Doesn't matter how much money you have, When your kid gets sick, gets in a car accident, only God can bring security. Only God can bring real freedom. Only God can show you your true purpose and show you significance. Money promises power, but, but the real power is in the power of God. 
I want to help you today shift the view from you and make God's priorities your priorities so you can have God's 